0: our first one we definitely have challenges you know we were like oh we could fix this our second one ah oh, let's fix this let's go visit hoffman let's see what they're doing like what's awesome about this industry is people are so willing to share and help you figure it out um and uh, you know we're now making major retrofits to the first one that we, we probably wouldn't have we didn't even know about honestly back then
1: Welcome to the Modern Car Wash Podcast. I'm your host, Dan St. Jacques. Today's guest is Jason Woodward of Sudzy Salmon Car Wash in Alaska. Sudzy Salmon is getting ready to open its third store starting up here in January. Um, so today we talked about what that process looked like in terms of building the brand of Sudsy Salmon, constructing this third site, which has been a winter build in Alaska, the car wash landscape in Alaska, and what Sudsy does to help foster and develop talent. Uh, we really appreciate Jason joining us, especially at this busy time with opening right around the corner. Hope you enjoyed today's show. So here it is. All right, Jason, well, welcome to the Modern Car Wash podcast. Thanks for joining. I know it's a crazy time for you right now, so really appreciate you making the time for us.
0: Yeah, no worries. Um uh, a time difference, I think. Yeah.
1: So I want to jump right into it. Um, and just I think the best place to start is probably your background in the car wash industry. I know it's it's kind of unique to what we normally see, or to a lot of people that we've spoken with. So if you can just talk about kind of how you got into the car wash industry and how you got started, um, and then with Sudsy Salmon.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, I'm a commercial real estate broker in Alaska, and I had a client that was looking at buying a car wash that was in Bay Automatic. Um, part of that process for the due diligence side is I I flew down to the Midwest car wash show, um, to kind of learn the industry and figure out if it was going to be a good buy for him. And I came back and kind of fell in love with the whole industry. It was like, this is kind of cool. I think instead of buying that MB automatic though, you should buy a piece of land and we should build a tunnel and I want in. So that started, we built our first tunnel in 2018. Um, developed the Sudsy Salmon brand. We did a second tunnel in 2019, um, and now we're doing our third one. Um, getting ready to open January 10th, and it's taken over my life as an industry standpoint. So I really don't do a whole lot of real estate anymore, but it's fun. <laughs> so I guess I like it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So was there something specific that you <laughs> saw at that show? Because to say I'm going to go take a look at this investment, and I mean, I know for like I think about for us, you know, this is my first year going to shows, getting to three shows this year, and every time we went we ended up taking someone with us who hadn't been to a show before. And it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. You you don't really have any sense of what the industry is like. Even working in the industry, prior to seeing that, you don't really have a sense of the scale and kind of just how massive it is until you get to something like that. So was there something specific that yeah. you saw where you said, oh, no, this is legitimate. This is something I want to get after too.
0: Yeah. So we have, I, I've always, I, I'll back a little. I've always kind of loved car washes. I don't know why, but. I enjoy them um since i was a kid and so i guess that was part of it and then um i just googled um car wash industry shows expos to try and figure out what was out there i had no idea um so going to that show is kind of like you said an eye opener for the industry as a whole and what i realized is we have super dirty cars in alaska and the industry in the lower 48 at the time or for a while now was going heavily towards the express tunnels and we didn't have any in Alaska. We had, well, we had one and another one that was went out of business. So there really wasn't a, a tunnel market. And what I saw in Alaska is like this in a lot of ways. You can kind of see what the trends are in the lower 48. And Alaska is five or 10 years behind. Um, so there's always an opportunity. And so I just jumped on all in. Um, and it, it was fun. Initially, it was, you know, I was still doing real estate. And we were working on the side building this business. And uh, the day we opened, it was crazy there was just such a pent-up demand for a good car wash in our market and I guess the rest was history at that point but um, and now I, I really enjoy the you talk about like the industry as a whole I really enjoy the ability to bring uh, young, uh, adults or talent in the marketplace that really haven't had a lot of full-time jobs yet. Um, bring them into an industry. The car wash industry seems to be ripe for that and then help and watch them develop to wherever they tend to go. Um, and so we, we've we been a very young uh, company when it comes to our workforce as well. Like I think my oldest employee is like 21 right now and started with us when he was 17. Um, so that, that's been really fun for me. And we take them to the car wash show and opens their eyes to the career of car wash, which... I don't know. I don't think anybody actually knows how cool it is unless their parent is a car wash operator. (laughs) So it's definitely different. It's a different world. Um, you don't see a lot of kids thinking I'm going to grow up to run a car wash, but I, I think that time is coming where people will look at it and go, wow, this is, this is an industry that I could go to all the way to the top with a lot of, you know, publicly traded car wash. Not a lot, but they're starting to be that way. So it's interesting.
1: Um, yeah, you know, I, I had a chance to meet two of your staff members actually came out here that were looking at a couple of our watches. I'm not sure. I can't Mm -hmm. remember what exactly the positions were, but, um, it's true, super young, but so, so interested in the industry itself. And just like they, they, I mean, they had so many questions, they were so engaged and it was something where it wasn't just like they were killing time on a work trip here. They were so passionate about it and it was great to see. And it's, and, and at a young age like that, like you're saying, I mean, it, it's, um, not necessarily an industry you expect people to get into, but once they're in, like you've seen, I mean, you know, if you are doing a good job, um, sort of fostering your talent, which we'll talk about too. Um, you know, there's no reason you can't make that your career.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. And if you can, and I see a lot of companies out there doing it, like career visioning and how this works going to the top. And what's really cool about this younger generation, uh, um, is they're just hungry. They just want to learn. Like their benefits are not necessarily pay. A lot of these guys are still living at home. Um, And, you know, we talk about medical benefits and they're like, oh, maybe when I'm 27, when I come off my parents, like there's just what I look at as benefits in an industry are totally different than what they look at. And when you find the right one that sort of gets that fire, like you said, you you give them a credit card and let them fly to the East Coast and they're just like hyper learners. It's crazy. Um, It's fun though. (laughs) And it's not that expensive when it sounds, it sounds crazy to send a 20 year old on the East Coast with a credit card. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not like I'm to send them to college.
1: So, anyway. <laughs> uh, and one thing I want to talk about too, so in, in, in developing Sudzy Salmon and in developing um, sort of in developing talent too. I was listening to your interview that was on uh, Car Wash Magazine Live, which was a great interview, and I'll link that to okay. in the in the description for this one, so people have a chance to go back and look at that too. And that conversation really was heavily focused on developing talent. So, um, just wanted to touch on that here too, because I think it's a really uh, interesting approach that you have. Specifically, if you can talk about um, your community influencers and how you use the, those people to um, sort of find your next level of talent and, and put you know people in the right positions. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that that concept gets a lot of buzz, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to have people up here competing with me for my community influence. <laughs> um, so it really came from I do. Uh, I went to the, the Naval Academy, and I do a lot of. Um, it's called the Naval Academy Information Program, which basically I represent State of Alaska and the Western Region for uh, finding talented kids that want to go to the Naval Academy. I kind of leer away from recruiting because you really got to want to go to go to one of those schools. Um, and one of the things they do is community influencers. We call them uh, COIs, so community—it's uh, community influencers. What it, what it is, um, and that's the same concept. Like sometimes you don't know what's out there unless uh, an adult you you respect or a coach or someone along those lines kind of says, "Hey, have you ever thought about this?" And that's where we get a huge amount of our top end talent. So meaning, you know, if I pick up one captain of a football team that. It may take two years to develop well they also have a whole bunch of friends that are that same caliber of motivated people um that are wanting to do greater things in life whether that's go off to college or uh you know they have career aspirations or whatever it is and if we can foster that while developing them in our industry uh, inevitably a few of them are going to stick around i think um and you know people always say well you spend all this money and have all these benefits for you know basically your, training them to leave. I'm like, well, we're training them to go into the workforce and they're not all going to leave. And what would happen if they stayed and we didn't train them concept. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's worthwhile and, um, we don't have uh, knock on wood currently don't have challenges with, you know, finding new people to work for us. Um, like any company, you know, building that bench as you work up to the upper levels is is always going to be a challenge. And so how you do that is I think kind of the magic.
1: Yeah, certainly. I think, you know, the, obviously the advantage of doing something like that too, is you have, you have somebody who is vetting for these people, you know, is vetting these people essentially or vouching for them in a way that it's not like it's a, you know, a professional uh, recommendation, you know, from a previous job or whatever it is. These are people who can speak to the actual character of, of these, you know, would be employees or, or, you know, sort of the, I, I guess kind of more grand scale look at what these, what these potential employees look like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Another interesting piece with it is like they put some, some t- jump on and some don't with regard to what I really want to happen is that these community influencers have a free car wash pass and come to the car wash often and see the team, see the, the young adults that they also see in school. You know, there's this whole, uh, group accountability piece, I guess you'd call it and, and wanting to be a part of the, developing them. Not some of them look at it like, Oh, I can't take a freebie. And I was like, it's not a freebie. Like I don't expect you to pay, you know, to wash your car five times a week or even once a week. I really just want you to be part of the team. Um, and, you know, if it means you come with a free car wash, whatever, that's that's easy. Um, you know, it just is that incentive to show up and see everybody. Um, and, and I think that tends to work with the right people. So. And don't, don't get me wrong. Like I'm speaking very strategically right now. Like it's not it's not all bells and whistles. I don't I do it right every single time. I got a couple that are great. I got a couple that don't really work out that well. And it works out in the numbers, I think. So.
1: I know another thing you talked about too, and you mentioned it um, earlier was that you know the average age of your workforce, and talking about you know you, you trust these washes to relatively, what would be considered relatively young professionals. Um, and I know, you know, one thing that you'd mentioned in the interview in, in Car Wash Magazine was saying, you know, with your work, you know, being in the military, they were trusting you with something far more complex and a far more serious operation than what it is to run a a car wash. Again, not to um, sort of downplay what the, the role that the, your employees have, but it's, yeah. it's the oh, end yeah. of the day, like we say yeah. here, it's not, it's not brain surgery. It's, you know, we, any no. mistakes can be fixed. And if you give them the responsibility to run those things, assuming you're putting the right people in the right positions, there's no reason that they can't handle that.
0: Exactly. And and I say, you know, I don't think you downplayed it at all. I mean, you know, yeah, a helicopter overseas is a thing. There's really only three people on it. And, you know, we have a lot of training. A lot of these guys are, I mean, my site manager has 25 people that range in age 15 to, or well, 16, I guess is the limit, but 16 to 20. So it really is, uh, uh, they have a lot of responsibility, but they're also pretty close to home. I mean, when they mess up, we're right there to help them. Uh, And I think the key is systems to inspect your expectations um, so things can't get too far astray. (laughs) Because they do, they look at things different. And honestly, they, in many ways, I grow too, because I I don't necessarily look at it like they do, and and they're the ones doing the work. So uh, sometimes we change in ways that I didn't expect. (laughs) And, I, and someone else asked me that one time before, well, who, who's creating the culture in your company? I was like, well, we are, but left and right boundaries. Like, you know, obviously they can't go crazy out here, but within inside those left and right boundaries, they drive it. So, and each site's a little different. It kind of depends on who you put in there. So uh,
1: so I want to talk a little bit about about Sudsy itself too. And, you know, your, your initial concept, you say you want to come, you need to build this wash. How long was it before you said this is something that, we want to scale or that we're going to have the ability to scale, you know, after you open the first wash, um, or was that immediately plan? One was we're going to, you know, our plan is, you know, five sites or whatever it is right from the start. Or was it something that, you know, that happened over time?
0: Uh, it kind of happened right away. I mean, as soon as we opened the first one, there was so much pent up demand for what we were doing. I quickly realized, Holy cow, this is awesome. Now, the second one didn't quite have the same penetration to that market as fast. It's it's been okay. It's not like the first one was, Um, but I think that's what saw the scale. Um, our third partner, who is also the construction contractor that, that basically builds them for us um, is is now he became a partner right after that first one. So he built the first one. And then we immediately approached him and said, Hey, why don't you partner up with us? Let's try and scale this. Um, and that's been a huge component too. I don't think we could scale it very easily without him. It's, you know, our, our partnership group really allows for it. Um, and I think that's key too. Um you know, you obviously have to be able to generate the the capital to, to scale it, um, and you have to be able to have the right people that are pulling the right strings and having the construction guy in there's huge. So, but Shane's Matt, he's actually been out there too. So both he and I have been out there to visit Hoffman.
1: Um, and and you know. so now we got number three on the way, or very close to being there, ready to go. So I, can you just talk a little bit about that that construction process? Because obviously it's a winter build right now, which has to have its own challenges. Where you, I mean, it has it anywhere, but. <laughs> I have to assume in Alaska that you're probably coming up against a little bit more than we are even here in the Northeast. So um, what does that process look like uh, for you? And what are some of those challenges that you're facing? Uh,
0: That's right back to my construction partner. Like, I don't know how he does it. He's like, it's crazy. Like with the one we have right now, it was supposed to before the end of the year, but I mean, we've had multiple days where it's, you know, double digits below zero and then the wind will blow 30 miles an hour and they've got these tents that they put over the buildings to keep them heated so that they can keep working like building the roof and working and the tents will blow off and then you got a dump truck comes and picks up all the plastic and then you put more plastic on it and it's like i mean that happened like three times in in december and he just keeps plugging along i'm I'm like, dude, are you really, are you sure we're going to make this? <laughs> and the next thing you know, the roof's on, everything's good to go. So he just doesn't give up. Um, and I could see a lot, I see a lot of contractors that uh, maybe just don't even try to tent. They're just going to wait till the spring. And so the projects get rolled out and they end up costing more, even though you, that sounds expensive, but you know, you're still mobilizing the same people and carrying the land tends to be pretty expensive too. So uh, it's definitely creates its challenges. Like right now, Micrologic is getting ready to come up for the, to finalize the, you know, the pay station side of it. So we're building a tent over that so it can be heated so they can do what they need to do. <laughs> um, but it's been a, this has been a pretty cold blowy winter, especially where this third site is. So it's been extra challenging. Our first site was that way a little bit too. We built it in the winter as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is. I guess
1: it's Alaska. <laughs> I know it's, a. Uh- That's one thing that Nathan from Express Car Wash, and we had him on, he was talking about, you know, when people are initially developing car washes, maybe for the first time, and when you're putting a lot of those projects out to subcontractors who may not actually have an idea of what it is to build a car wash. Now, clearly, you're in a situation where you have somebody who's familiar with the process, which obviously makes things a ton easier when they have a sense of building layout and everything else to do that's going to have to go into the process, especially building in winter, like you're saying. So, obviously, putting good people in the position to, to make it happen so you're hitting those deadlines and can fire up when you're ready yeah. to go
0: yeah we got so again back to scott he um our first one we definitely have challenges you know we, we were like oh we could fix this our second one oh let's fix this let's go visit hoffman let's see what they're doing like what's awesome about this industry is people are so willing to share and help you figure it out um and uh, you know we're now making major retrofits to the first one that we, we probably wouldn't have we didn't even know about honestly back then but one of the things is scott also builds all the fuel stations in alaska really or builds or manages a lot of them so, or not manages uh maintains so i think that background really helped him like tie it all together um but he's just again he's the kind of guy that looks at it and it's just that doesn't make sense let's move this let's move that um so we got pretty lucky on the first one too it, it was pretty good i mean like i said there were some changes but um we've learned along the way to where I think our fourth one, which we're going to hopefully break ground on next year, it's going to be a real rock star. It's going to be up there with a Hoffman wash. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so when you look at the the changes you made, then looking at these ones in terms of kind of the way you're equipping them and, and what the tunnel actually looks like for you in terms of an equipment package. I mean, I assume, I would guess that you you're prepping all your cars. because I can't imagine that. I don't imagine there's anything else in there that's going to help you out in that situation where you yeah. are.
0: We work really hard. I mean, uh, our first site takes a ton of prep. I mean, when we're there's so much gross soils here, I don't really know how to put it in scale for but, um, you know, we'll go through in the major season we will definitely pump each pit with a full um, vac truck like a sewer vac truck like, you know, the size of a um, concrete truck we will pull a full one out every other week. and that's no problem of like solids and, and then we'll be in the pit digging with mud that's you know several feet deep so i see some like day in the life of a car wash stuff where they're like pulling the mud out in like home depot buckets like no we don't we get a home depot bucket on a car um so i think that part has been our biggest learning curve um is the pit and the way we manage those gross soils um, you know, developing that and changing with what our first one was. Our first one, we just kind of go in and dig it out. And that that's super expensive in the breakup season. So now we're trying to get it to where all that dirt moves out. Uh, Hoffman's helped us a little bit with some of that um, design side. But even then, we, you know, our third one, we're still like realizing, man, the amount of um, slope we need in those pits, like you start doing the math, you're pretty deep by the time you get to the sewers line. So, um, <laughs> It's, it t- tends to be a constant challenge that we always come up with a little bit better way and hopefully this one will be good but i think the fourth one's already being designed to be better so
1: so what's the uh the geographic distance between the the three sites right now how much how what's the distance that we're talking between all three
0: um 20 30 miles um you know within a circle so you got where eagle river is our first one um that one kind of sits between the town the Uh, two counties of the Anchorage, which is the biggest, uh, population base. And then what we call the Valley or the Matanuska susitna borough. Um, so the two, two and three are in the borough about 15 miles apart. Eagle river's maybe 20 from the, that. And then the next one will be in Anchorage. So all four, I don't know, 50 miles, 60 miles.
1: The, uh, the both the base of where they're coming from and also in terms of um, your customer base, in terms of sort of unlimited penetration, those sort of things, does that vary by store? Is that different where you're seeing majority unlimited washes? Are you still just doing, is it still single washers coming through?
0: No, we're a majority, a big, big part of our business uh, tends to be uh, members and we're constantly reworking the formula with which we determine that pro forma for new sites Cause we do tend to pull a pretty, a larger than normal market. Like if I take a pro forma from a lower 48 and run the numbers, like ours really doesn't fit in that, um, in a good way. Um, and so, you know, our first pro forma for our first site was totally out to lunch on the wrong side. Uh, meaning it was good for us. Um, the second one was okay. Um, I think the third one is going to be you know even a little bit tighter. Um, Bank always asks the same question. They're like, well, you give us this pro forma. It doesn't match what you did. And I'm like, oh, I don't really, it's hard to tell. <laughs> right. But we're getting better. We're learning for sure. I've been doing it for three years. so.
1: <laughs> and in terms of volumes, this, so this has got to be, I assume, you're probably your busiest time you're running now for the next six months or eight months or so, kind of like around here.
0: Um, picks up in maybe end of November, early December, and really ramps up till about April, May, depending on when the snow melts. And then slows down again for q3
1: so i wanted to circle back to something else that you mentioned earlier and talking about alaska being five years behind so you know at this point if you're you're sort of ahead of the game in terms of being a tunnel operator there is there are you seeing any of that at all that we're seeing around here in terms of the growth of the car wash industry there are there any other tunnels that are starting to look like they're popping up or is it still are you guys the the main one in the game right now
0: uh there's another operator who was here before us who's a really good operator um uh, they tend to go more after uh, pre-developed sites and then kind of redesign them. And I, I think that has to do with the cost. The entry to find a good contractor to do the work up here is is a substantial barrier of entry. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, you know, we've also got a car wash maintenance company that's sort of come out of this whole thing. Um, originally, it was just to take care of our own sites. And now it's starting to pick up business from, you know, other in operator stuff like that. We have chemical brands, like we distribute direct for several companies now. Um, that's a huge opportunity in Alaska. And again, it's because nobody, nobody's working that logistics chain component. Um, and so I think that's really where the barrier of entry is. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm sure somebody could throw a few million bucks at it and, and figure it out. But at the end of the day, we've got a very shallow talent pool up here. We've got a very difficult logistics chain up here. We've got a very, um, oh, I don't know, like limited number of contractors that could pull off building one of these projects. Um, and so it's just a small place, really. I mean, it's a huge state, small, but it's small. And so once you kind of carve out your niche like we have, which is kind of why I saw the opportunity and went after it, the barrier it does become more difficult to compete. Um, and, you know, I think our goal is to obviously build out as quickly as possible and kind of control it to where someone else doesn't want to. Um, and I think we've done that pretty well. Um, but at the end of the day, if they come, we'll them sell chemicals or whatever they want..
1: <laughs> right. And at the end of the day now you you know you're already starting to establish your market share. So again, like you said, um, if you run your wash and do a good job at it, something that Nathan talked about too when we were interviewing him, he's saying, you want someone to come to your wash and say, Wow, I'd love to get in the car wash business. This looks like a great business, but I'm not going to do it here because I don't want to compete with this guy. Which is kind of the you know the position that I think you're probably putting yourself into right now is that it, maybe it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense to go up against an already established brand like you guys have put in place there.
0: Yep, yep, I think so too. And, and it's we're a very difficult. I mean, you got it. We, we you know everything we do is stainless steel, and like we, we're very leery of some of the brands that are maybe uh, less robust, which is why we've jumped in in bed with innovate IT, like you spend a little more money, but it's gonna last. Um, And, you know, we're already having challenges with some of our stuff that's three years old. So I think when you look at that, you're kind of going, "Ah, I don't know if this is something I want to jump into right now when you've got someone else has figured it out. So So just looking ahead now, so I know
1: you have, you know, the, the, you have two more sites in the pipeline. We're looking at for coming up here for you guys.
0: We have one for sure that we, well, we've got the one we're going to finish here and then that'll kind of wrap up what we're planning for uh, that market. And then we've got a piece of land we acquired in August that goes to permitting here fairly quickly. And that's, that's a like mega site right in the middle of downtown Anchorage area, mid midtown area. Um, That one will really put us on the map in Anchorage. And then we've got a couple more ancillary sites that we're looking at. Um, You know, it it just comes down to uh, timing and what's available I and mean, there's just not a lot of open lots so you're kind of looking at what can you where can you go or you, maybe you're even going to raz another building so um, we because we aren't that interested in taking a current one which there's not a lot of and redoing it we, we like new. Um, so.
1: And I guess the advantage that too, is that you're building to your, to your aesthetics and to your style and that it's very much your building instead of like you're saying, where you're just retrofitting kind of into someone else's design, at least this way, you know, for everything from your back room, to your tunnel, all that, you, you know, what you need to be in control of and, you know, to lay out to make it the most efficient and effective wash that you can be. So,
0: and operationally, like they all run very similar. Like I could take a site manager from one site to another and it would be pretty much the same. Um, which I think is key too. We 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 kind of have that overall enterprise efficiency, if you will.
1: Right. And I guess even though there's that separation between your sites, that you just provides consistency to your customer base too. They want to know they're going to get the same experience regardless of the location they're going to. Um, so that yeah. just leans to that as well. Absolutely. So when you look at the Anchorage site, then is that something that you consider would be like the flagship store? Then is that the way it's kind of going to be looking for you? Oh, Eagle River will always be the OG.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's also the little engine that could, compared to the other ones at this point. <laughs> you know, it does pretty well. It, it, Eagle River is a really fun site, so yeah. <laughs> It'll be our first 160. So we've run one. We've run 120 foot tunnels all along. This the one in Anchorage will be 160.
1: We almost went
0: with a big double. big double. Yeah, it is. We almost went with a big double, but I think it was Shane actually said. You know, when you build two tunnels next to each other, that doesn't mean you wash twice as many cars. It just costs <laughs> you. <laughs> right. like, Maybe you learned that 20 years ago. I might take that advice. <laughs> we'll see. Well,
1: I want to be uh, be sure I'm conscious of your time here because I know we got to wash the fire up here. So I, I, I do want to let you go. But thank you again for the time. I really appreciate you joining today. Good luck on the startup for the new one. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing more from you guys coming here in the near future. All right. Sounds good, Dan. I appreciate All it. Right. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Well, that's it for today's show. Thanks again to my guest Jason Woodward for joining us. As always, you can find more about Innovated Car Wash at InnovativeCarWash dot com. Subscribe to the Modern Car Wash podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next
0: time.